Well, welcome back to another episode of Rethink Real Estate. A bit of an introduction to today's episode so that therefore you can get the context of who you're going to be listening to. Um, but David Bartels is the CEO and founder of Everhome Realty. Now, this is the part of it that is a little different, is that it is a flat fee brokerage. And you might be thinking if you're a traditional realtor, well, why do I want to listen to a flat fee brokerage and what's happening there? Guys, I think that it's important that we obviously think laterally when it comes to our real estate business. And again, over the number of years that have passed, flat fee brokerage obviously pop up when it is a really great marketplace. And obviously, in the marketplaces that we're in currently all over North America, inventory is tight. So they will still continue to be a thing. And you may be competing with them in your marketplace. So it's even more important that I believe that you listen to today, because you need to understand what you're up against, what the pitch is, but also need to be able to speak intelligently to what they are offering and why they are doing it the way they are doing it. I think that this provides a distinct opportunity for you to hone your skill set when it comes to maybe dealing with any objections that a seller has that's looking at a flat fee brokerage. But all in all, I think that there's some interesting insights into a part of the industry that's always been there. And David, David has been part of that industry for quite some time, but also we speak as well, not only about the flat fee model, we speak about the mindset when it comes to a discount brokerage. We speak about the process which he has put in place and how putting a process in place gives a seller confidence, even though that they're not incentivized really to sell for more money, is that that process gives them the confidence around obviously moving forward with them as that brokerage that is flat fee. And I think that there is something to be learned from that. The other part that I found really interesting as well is raising capital and how that's working in this point is that in this marketplace where there has been multiple real estate companies or prop tech companies that have tried to raise capital, how he's going about that and what he's looking at doing. Again, a little bit of a different episode. I want to try and bring different things to this podcast in order to make sure that there's better learning along the way. It might be for you, it might not be, but either way, hope you enjoy. Welcome to Rethink Real Estate. My name is Ben Brady, and this is a real estate podcast aimed to deliver sales strategies, marketing tips, and business insights from industry experts and myself to build a listing-focused business for the future. Let's get into it. Well, David, thanks so much for joining us today on Rethink Real Estate. Um, It's a uh, it's a pleasure in the sense of that we've had the opportunity to work together from a, from afar, but certainly not you and I. You work together with John Bass, one of our regional directors, um, and your company, Everhome. And I thought that it was a really good um, uh, really good opportunity for our people and our listeners in the real estate community to think a little bit laterally around what you're doing in your um, flat fee brokerage. You know, there's obviously one of the things that I want to talk about in the very beginning is your background in perspective to prop tech. But one of the things that I'm I'm really interested for our community to listen to and sort of get value from is the fact that whenever an agent comes up against a flat fee brokerage or a discount brokerage, as they would say it, there's automatically this disdain towards it without understanding the product, the service, or how it might be appropriate. Because from a little bit of an insight for our international listeners is the fact that in the US, it costs 6%, 5%, 4%, wherever you are, um, it costs that much to sell your home. Whereas in other parts of the world, in most other parts of the world, it's, you know, 1%, 2% maximum. So David, welcome to the podcast. I know that's a little bit of a long prelude, but uh, <laughs> but thanks for joining me. Well, I'm happy to be here. I've been looking forward to it. Excellent. So David, I'm really interested about your eight other prop tech companies that you've built. Um, why don't you give us a bit of an insight to that? 
Well, I don't want to go too far in, into the past, but you know, most recently since I, I got into to real estate, the, the first company real estate related that I did was is I created a technology in 19, I'm sorry, in, two, in 2004, I was working for Grant Cardone, actually. A lot of people know who Grant Cardone was. I was his national sales manager and we were training automotive dealers. And I remember getting, making some calls. I had presented earlier and then Grant was on stage and I was out making some phone calls. I was refinancing my house. And I remember trying to refinance my house and everybody, everybody kept asking, well, what's your social security number? I said, I don't want to give you my social security number. Just tell me what the best rate is. And if my, you know, assume I can qualify for anything I want and give me the best rate. And if it turns out I can't, then you'll adjust the rate. Nobody wanted to do that. And I said, this is worse than, you know, than selling a car, which is the industry that we were training. And I took the technology that Grant had developed for the automotive industry and I had it built for the mortgage industry. And I launched a company called Selling Smarter, which was about converting mortgage leads into loan applications and closed loans. And I had an exit and I sold that in 2007 and um, and and I stayed on with the company that bought it till 2009. Then I started what became the the largest short sale negotiation company you know, in the, in the country with home loan advocates. And I was given some seminars around the country about how to negotiate short sales to real estate agents and real estate brokerages. I was at Help You Sell's national sales meeting and I gave a presentation to them in Southern California and um, the market was starting to shift. And next thing you know, I'm having meetings with Help You Sell and I ended up launching a, a Help You Sell franchise. Right. Became, which was the originator of the flat fee concept. Right. 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 And so they originated the flat fee concept almost 50 years doing that, I think, if my memory serves me. And, you know, I was thinking about whether or not to do that or not. I was thinking, well, we're going from moving from a negative equity environment to a low equity environment. And it seemed like a flat fee. The concept of a flat fee was really the way to go. And, you know, and I was just trying to figure out where the market was going. Right. And, um, and so we did that. And then I totally bought in, you know, what does the price of the house have to do with the cost of selling it? Why does a $800,000 seller pay twice as much as a $400,000 seller if it takes the same amount of time, money and effort to sell both houses? And, you know, so that's what we went out and, you know, presented that. And with that concept, I love the concept. I love the simplicity of the messaging. I think it's relatable to, to consumers. Um, I sold I became the largest help yourself franchise in the country. And in 2000 and 2020, I started Everhome. Yep. And Everhome is the is the project that I'm working on right now. We're, you know, we're trying to get the company public through a reverse merger. And the idea of Everhome is is our our new hook is our our hundred million dollar offer is sell your house in seven days, guaranteed. You know, and so we're making an offer to home sellers guaranteeing that we're going to get them offers within seven days or they can cancel and owe us nothing. And they pay us only at the close of escrow, a flat fee for most houses of fifty nine fifty for most houses under a million and eleven nine fifty for houses over a million and some exceptions. So that's really what I've been up to. That's a short real estate resume, hopefully not too long. No, that's great. No, it gives some insights. And there's a, there's, a, there's a few questions that come out of that. I love a good rabbit hole to run down. It's perfect. First one is the obvious. What's Grant Cardone really like? <laughs> well, I went to his wedding. 
I, I went to his wedding with uh, when he married Elena. You know, he he had the in, at his house in the Hollywood Hills. He had bought Lionel Richie's house, and so we we had it there. And I enjoyed working with him. But he, you know, he's tough. He's you know, that's all I'll say. He's he's tough. He's not that easy to work for. He's really demanding, and uh, you know. But I really I, I really learned a lot being being in that environment. I still have his cell phone number, but. I haven't used it in a long time. <laughs> well, that's good. Hey, good contacts regardless. And I think that, you know, anything, regardless of your opinion of the guy, you can but take I the good. I follow him still and I pay attention and I, I love what he's doing because when I knew him, he wasn't this world-renowned figure that he is today. He, we were in the automotive niche and all we were, we were training automotive salespeople on how to improve the sales process. And, you know, since, you know, since then, that was 20 years ago, um, you know, I left him in 2004 and, you know, 20 years later, he's, you know, he's really blown up. He didn't have a jet when I knew him. <laughs> well, damn it. Damn it. <laughs> well, David, I think that I think that the other part of this that's obviously triggered uh, my next question, um, which I've got a few questions for you in the flat fee space. Obviously, you've had a depth of experience in that space. I guess that the seven day, sell your home seven days, that include, say, like an investor offer at the same time? Or how do you how do you yeah. guarantee that sale? What's your thinking behind that? Well, what I did, I created, there's five pillars of selling the house price, presentation, exposure, risk mitigation, and marketing strategy. And right. we took those five pillars and we turned them into a, a, a seven-step process, you know, to prepare the prepare the house for sale. And we itemized, I actually wrote an ebook that we make as one of our offers, a seven-step process to sell your house in seven days. And so the sell your house in seven days basically means from the time that we start officially showing your property, which is on a Friday. So we put it on the MLS on a Monday. We don't do any showings until Friday, and then we guarantee by the following Thursday, if they do all the things that we say, that they are going to get at least, they'll get one or more offers within that seven days. And if they don't, their option, they can cancel and owe us nothing. Right. Okay. So I, so, so take me through how you establish the five pillars of selling. All right. So price is really, you know, so, so price is really an important um, aspect of it. You know, I don't know. I don't know who the audience is here, but I assume a lot of real estate related people, right? Correct. And so correct. everybody who's on here is they understand that, you know, overpriced houses sit on the market, and underpriced houses get multiple offers, <laughs> right? You, you know, and so this is what I explain. You can't underprice a house in this market because the market will bid it up, which is one, which is what I like about auctions, right? You know, it's impossible to underprice. The market will find the, you know, the water level that it needs to be. And it may, it may not meet the seller's expectations, but we're going to learn what the market value of the house is. That's the worst yeah. thing that's going to happen as a result of that. And so the same thing with price, right? So we want to make sure that the price is right. And it's one of the conditional guarantees. They, they have to agree to list it at our price. Okay. So that's price. Presentation has to do with the, with the quality of the presentation. It's, professional photography, you, you know, how do you present it online and how does it present in person? So we give them, you know, we have another ebook that we wrote is a, the perfect home prep guide that we give people and to prepare. And then we hire professional photography. We do 3D walkthrough videos. We do a floor plan. We do a virtual tour. We use drone photography, a custom website, everything that a full fee agent charging five or 6%, we're doing all of that and probably more but because we're able to leverage time and technology and process, 
we're able to deliver those services a lot less expensively than traditional agents are going to do. Yep. Um, the next thing is is exposure. It's really critical on you know to get massive exposure. We find that the best tool for doing that is the multiple listing service. I know that's true for Harcourt. We want to leverage the multiple listing service and the syndication that you get to thousands of websites. So anybody anywhere in the world that's looking for a house that's being marketed are going to be able to find it. And more importantly, it's going to be properly presented. Next is marketing strategy. And that's really the seven step system where we really it's it's a very precise. Here's what we're not doing. Most agents that are charging five or six percent have very little experience. I talk about this in my video sales letter that I have. Right. 50% of agents, a lot of people are hiring a friend or family member because they like them and they trust them and they've got a real estate license. But the odds are 50% that they do zero transactions a year. Okay, So it doesn't make them, they're not any more experienced in a lot of cases than the home seller that's hiring them to to sell the house. And then only 20% or so have done more than six transactions in a year, right? So most agents aren't really experienced to really deliver at a high level you know, a, you know, a, a, a sale where that a listing that you're able to sell it fast and do it for top dollar and, and provide a five star experience in the, in the process. So the seven step process really walks people through it. The truth of the matter is, is outside of the MLS, a home seller could take our seven step strategy and do it themselves by hiring a, an MLS only entry. And we give them the option to do it, get the information and then decide. And then the last thing is risk mitigation where, you know, these are the disclosures and, you, you know, they say in politics, it's, it's not the crime that gets you in trouble. It's the cover up. Right. <laughs> so, so what we do with in, in mitigating risk is make sure that the property is, is maintaining our fiduciary, making sure that they're properly represented in the negotiations, make sure they're doing the disclosures, make sure all the forms are done correctly and just kind of buttoning it up so that there are no loose ends that could you know, that that can find you after you close escrow or could cause the deal to blow up if it's not properly presented, you know, in the right way. So those are the you know, those are the five five pillars. And then all the steps are making sure all that gets put into place before you launch the the seven day marketing strategy, which I outlined. Go to listing, you know, open the listing on Monday, start showing Friday, Saturday, Sunday, um, Monday, offer deadline Monday night, counter negotiations, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, open escrow um, Thursday in most cases. Right. But our so guarantee I guess- is just to get an offer, even if it's a, a, a an offer that's too low, doesn't meet the seller's reserve price. But it still gives you the leverage that ultimately you need and then order to negotiate better when there is an offer on the table indeed and gives the seller ample insight to that. I can, Hey, David, I can really see how our paths have crossed from a process perspective when it right. comes to the auction process and how right. we've developed that to be something that obviously is, right. again, probably a little bit different to the way that you've obviously articulated, but it's a process in its own right. It's so, very similar, except what I've done is I've simply accelerated it into a seven-day process as opposed to maybe a 30-day process. Sure, you know, sure, sure. And I'm sure. really just trying to compress it. And then, yep. if, you know, and, and then our backup plan, if it doesn't work, is that we can move them into, we can move them into a longer process of the auction. So we, yeah. we use, it's a regular, the auction is a regular part of the repertoire of tools that we have in order to move these properties I especially like it with stale listings. 
Yeah, definitely. And that's, you know, that's where our specialty is, is obviously bringing and shedding another light on, shining another light onto a property that might be stale. But a couple of questions out of that is that how many people do you get that actually, um, that actually price it at the price that you want to? So let's say 10 leads come in, okay, and you give them the price that ultimately is the first part of the equation, the five steps of selling that you mentioned, how many of them actually list it for the price or are comfortable doing so? Well, almost all of them. Oh, right. um, we'll do it. We don't start out in agreement, <laughs> but we yeah. get, but we get to agreement through negotiation. Sure. You know, you know, we reason it out with each other, and I simply explain it to them, and I give them this. I give them the safety net of, you know, I something I learned from working with you guys is the concept of reserve price. You know, yep. list price and sale price are not the same thing. Yep, list absolutely. price is a marketing strategy, a, a strategy designed to drive people through the door. That's what creates the activity. I mean, maybe you end up with only two offers. One's a really good offer and one's a, an offer you wouldn't even consider. But now I can take that low offer and leverage it against the guy that really wants it and, and move that offer even higher as opposed to having one great offer that I'm afraid to make a counter with because I might lose them. Yeah. So it just, give, you know, it just gives me more leverage in the negotiations in order to improve the results um, for the seller. But they end up doing it. If they don't do it, I say, listen, we don't have to agree. I had this conversation with a guy yesterday. You, you know, where we we were having we we ended up getting an agreement, but we were having trouble getting into agreement. But my conditional guarantee says that you, they have to agree with us on the price. They have to agree to a two and a half percent commission. They have to make they have to show the home on a go and show basis between the hours of 9 a.m. and 6 p.m. during the seven day um, showing period. They have to. There's a couple of the, the house has to be in show ready condition all the time you know, for them to, and they have to leave the house, you know, during the showing. So those are some of the factors. If we don't agree on all of those, then we'll proceed with the listing. We just make them waive the seven day guarantee. Yeah, sure. So and I think that, that I, I, so we give them the option. If we can't agree on price, no problem. We'll use your price as long as it's reasonable. We will turn down an overpriced listing, yeah. but we'll use your price, but we're just not going to give you the seven, seven day guarantee. The interesting part about that is that I think that setting the expectations from the very beginning in the way that that people know know that things need to happen. Like, so for example, is that again? Not I'm just giving an example. Not that this is something that is crucial to to anything. But for example, a seller that says I don't want to sign out the front of the property. Ultimately, that says to me is that there's obviously other underlying issues that they're going to have along the way with that listing that therefore right. will will hinder the efforts of that individual agent. Having your That's set right. process and what you actually know is going to work very much so like the auction process in the sense that we won't compromise our process at all based on the perspective that we know that it decreases the percentage likelihood of it of it actually selling so uh, all in all i guess that where where i'm where i'm sort of leading to all of this is that for those that are listening at the moment and you've obviously done some in-depth understanding of the process of real estate in order to offer or order to design this process in order to get that result within a short period of time what do you think that agents in the traditional real estate environment what do you think that they're doing too much of? What do you think that is happening where they're not being able to replicate these results? What type of minutia are they getting stuck in? Well, my opinion is, is that there's a lot of agents and I don't, and not all agents, but there are a lot of agents that are willing to, based on the competition for the limited number of listings that we're seeing in the marketplace, will tell a seller what they want to hear as opposed to tell them the truth. So you got a $600,000 house. The seller says, I want 700. And then, all right, let's try it. And then, and then they go to, you know, and then two, three weeks into it, 
they're grinding on them to reduce the price, reduce the price, reduce the price. You know, that's, you know, that's, that's one thing. They're not, they're not really setting the expectations, you know, in advance. Now there are good agents and, and there are, are some that don't have that much of experience, but I just find that it's much better to have that conversation. And if we're going to have a problem around that, then let's, let's address it right up front and have that conversation now. And if we can't get past it, then, you know, let's go, you know, let's just move on. And all those agents that are willing to tell you what you want to hear, then let them. I lose listings for two reasons. Number one, I, I won't commit to list it for the price that they want because somebody else is representing. I, I think it's crazy. Sellers say, well, what do you think I can get from my house? And I'm like, listen, you can ask 10 agents and 10 appraisers. You're going to get 20 opinions and they're all going to be wrong. I said, I can tell you what you want to hear. Okay. But that doesn't make it true. Okay. So my job is not to tell you what your house is going to sell for. My job is to figure out what the high end of market value is and sell it for that. Okay. And if you need a number, you know, a a particular number, then our strategy is not going to work. But if you're, if you're ready to sell and you want to sell it for the high end of market value, you want to sell it in the shortest period of time and you want the, you want to net the highest amount of money, then we're a solution that you're going to want to take advantage of. I can see, I can see agents on the other end of this podcast, podcast, David, where they're like, well, you know, uh, you know, I don't want to deal with sellers or, or or people that that want um, you know a flat fee or a discount fee. Like they're obviously making. It's funny. At the end of the day, again, we are part of a great deal of brokerages and, and partnering with them, and then ultimately a lot of them are full price, so to speak. But if you were to right. break it down, the volume of them that actually discount their commission when it comes to a negotiation, a lot of them do discount, <laughs> and the averages would be far less than we would all know anyway. But every full fee agent I know is a discounter. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, so I guess that my my question my question in this sense is that what are the type of people that you attract, um, and and are they are they different? And is your relationship with them different because you're so upfront? Well, you know, the, the, I, I attract, you know, obviously I'm, I'm attracting client. My demographics is the same as everybody else's. Right. But the people who are attracted us are, are people who are looking to save thousands in commission. They don't understand why it costs so much to sell a house, especially in a market with so much scarcity, you know, of inventory. Okay. I mean, interest rates aside, the market is still moving. Okay, um, properly priced houses are still selling fast and with multiple offers, right? Pricing is a real important part of it. But but what we're doing is we're providing the same services as everybody else. So if they're looking to save thousands without giving up full service expertise and great results, that's who our client is. And so I lose I lose deals to two people to two kinds of people. I told you the first one already, which is people who overpromise or overcommit or you know on the price. Okay, and then the other ones is somebody who's got a trusted friend or family relationship that they just can't say no to. It doesn't matter how much they're going to save. Now, to those people, I say, take the five thousand dollars in savings and take your friend to Hawaii, and everything will be fine. <laughs> what's the what's the what's the biggest threat to your model? What's the biggest threat to your model? Because I will again, and and this is um, you probably agree with me is that these models come in and they come out. There's so many companies that try and start them and they yeah. fail. What's yeah. why why are you different? But also, what's your biggest threat? Well, we're different because of the process. So we're using salaried agents. Okay, so we're not you know we're so we're using people in a process, right? And we've created an assembly line. So like one of my listing agents, you know, could handle 30 listings, but they never give a listing presentation. We're just dropping 30 listings a month on their desk 
and we're saying your job is to get them in escrow with a with a support team, you know, behind them. They're not inputting deals in the MLS. They're not, the, you know, they're not creating advertising campaigns. All their job is to represent sellers and get their house sold. Um, the I I think that the the risk that we have to our model is is volume, right? We've got to be able to deliver, you know, at volume um, for us to to make the you know the make the to make the the kind of revenue that we need to do we need at what i call it scale is about 50 transactions a month but at 50 transactions a month we're running a 40 percent gross to net model right so from a gross uh, not a gross to net but a gross profit model so revenue minus commission and cost of goods sold is yep. running about 40 percent as opposed to a traditional real estate agency that might be five percent okay yep. Uh, you know, or eight percent. You know, under that before they get to their operational expenses, and so that's really the model that we're running. And we can so we can process a lot more transactions with a lot less people by leveraging time and technology and process to do that. Yeah. So, I, so I guess that incentive is one of the things that a traditional real estate agent would stand in front of you and say, "Well, what's mine? Well, my, I'm incentivized to get the seller more money because of the commission structure and the way that it is and everything along those lines." What would well, be your answer to that? Yeah. Well, you know, I've, I've I've obviously heard that the number one thing that we hear is that well, you get what you pay for, but then when you line up the services and the results that we get, you know, an eight, you know, that comes from agents who don't know what they do. They just assume that discount equals you know, low service, low value, poor results. And that's not really, that's not true in our, I mean, there, those services do certainly exist, but we're a full service real estate agency that's doing everything a traditional real estate agent is doing probably more. Okay. We're just, the only thing that's different is that we've chosen to price our house, you know, price for 59.50 or 99.50, by the way, or 59.50 or 10.950, that's plus two or more percent commission on the buy side. So we're not yeah. asking our yeah. buyer agents. We're not asking buyer agents to take a discount. We recommend two and a half percent. In fact, I just sold my house this way and yeah. I offered a two and a half percent commission. Just because we're willing to take less money on the list side doesn't mean we're asking buyer agents to take less on the buy side. And we, in fact, one of our requirements of our conditional guarantee is that they offer a two and a half percent co-op commission to the buyer agent, right? And so- you know, so we're willing to do it. So if I can, if it takes me a week to 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 sell a house and I make fifty nine fifty or ten nine fifty, and I can do that three, four, five times a week, how many? How much do I really have to charge in order to have a profitable model? Yeah, no, no, absolutely, no. I can see, I can see, I can see it from a model perspective how it would work. Volume is certainly going to have to be there, but that is in any real model that if you want to right. scale it, indeed. But I guess that the next part of this is lead acquisition. Obviously, there's an attraction point with you being costing a lot less than a traditional brokerage. How do you get leads at this point? What is your primary way of bringing people to right. you, or how so, are you prospecting, so to speak? Well, we get our transactions come and three ways. Okay. Generally. So 30 to 35% of our transactions come from marketing to for sale by owners. Okay. 30 to 35% come from pay-per-click ads. Okay. And 30 to 35% are repeat and referral business. And right. those, so those three channels represent, you know, almost a, well, a hundred percent almost. I mean, there's a stray deal here or there that comes from another place, but for the most part, those are the three ways that we generate our business. So we got a really big emphasis on for sale by owners. And as you as you can imagine, if somebody, you know, 70% of for sale by owners end up listing with an agent, right? 
And so, but they don't want to pay the five or 6%. So if we can get our message to them and they can see, get all the same service they get from an agent, but, but they're going to be able to save eight, 10, 15, $25,000, depending on the price point of their house. Then all of a sudden we become an option that they consider more seriously. Who's a competitor that you're, that, um, that you would, well, you might not call them competitors. Who would be somebody that is, uh, that you think is a, it, that you're maybe going after and you're a competitor to. Yeah. We're not really going after anybody per se, you know, but our, but we compete with everybody, right? So we compete with every percentage based, you know, full service agent out there. Plus the, plus the limited service, you know, MLS entry only. And yeah, so we're yeah. just one option you know, what's interesting to me is I talk to home sellers and I talk to my friends and, Oh, you're going to put real estate agents out of business. And I, and I just laugh because, you know, even then if we could just get, you know, one tenth of 1% of all the business, we'd be a, you know, a, you know, billion dollar company, right? Yeah. No, I have so the I mean, same conversation. A really small sliver of the business, you know, yeah. even Redfin's not more than 1% of the, of, of the market. Right. And, you know, they are the, what you'd call the leader in discount real estate, if you will. But we don't, we're not really, we, we try not to present as a, or position ourselves as a discount. It's really just a flat fee. We just charge differently. And sometimes that's more money and sometimes it's less money depending on, you know, the, the price point of, of the house. But we're offering so much value. We don't even lead with price. We lead with, we're going to sell your house in seven days. And then when we get to the price, then we're like, that's it. Yeah. Is is a slowdown in the market a threat? For sure. You know, yeah. I mean, that's a, it's I think it's the number one threat to everybody. If you I mean, I, you know, I spend a lot of time reading the, you know, reading the trade magazines and, you know, all the headlines you, you see everybody, every especially these big public companies, they're all retooling and cutting back and, and dramatically reducing their costs in order to, you know, in order to adjust for the slowdown that we're seeing in the market. If you. If you think about, I don't know what the current number of listings are, but it's somewhere around 900,000, I hear. Well, there are 1.6 million real estate agents. So what's that tell you about the market? So when you've got such a limited number of listings out there, okay, um, you know, and and interest rates are certainly a driving factor because nobody wants to trade their 3% rate in for a 6% rate. Absolutely. So, you know, in fact, my wife and I just went through the pain of doing that, but we were going to move. But here's the reality. A, we, you see a, a little a little dip in mortgage rates and the consumers come back. But what the problem is, is we're seeing buyers enter the market and take up some of that limited inventory, but we're not seeing sellers. So it'll be interesting to see as we're really beginning to spring summer selling season, whether or not buyers are going to come out of the woodwork. We know that there's going to be buyer demand, but we don't know if there's what kind of seller demand that we're going to have yet. So, so inventory issues, a slowdown in listings is a dramatic, is a definite concern yeah. um, of, of, of mine and everybody else's. Cause like I said, we've got it. We need to do volume. Yeah. You know, yeah, we need yeah. to, I've got to sell more houses than everybody else in order to, to make our numbers. I think that the, the, uh, the other part of this that, um, and a, probably a closing note to our conversation, which is fascinating in the structural side of, of real estate, of the, of the parallel that there is with the perfection of the auction process that I believe that it is, and our correlation of success and clearance because it's a process. And obviously, your process that you're putting into place, if I'm a traditional real estate agent listening to this, it's, it comes down to actually having a set process and being able to map that out for your sellers, right. you know, in order to actually show the value of what you're offering to them. But 
But the thing that I'm most curious about, what is the appetite of the capital market out there for something like what you're doing? Because yours, for lack of better terminology, is prop tech. Um, and and ultimately, raising capital is something that you're in the process of doing, obviously, for Everhome. Right. Um, it's, a, it's something that I'm fascinated with as a marketplace at the moment. But obviously, it's not the greatest time in the world. Um, I think oh. Compass, Compass, Compass has, for lack of better terms, pissed all over the capital market for real estate companies um, yeah. based on just their complete and utter failure in order to do things. Um, yeah. But but I guess that how is it how is it going in a capital raise side of it? What's the appetite for it? Um, how's that look? So it's it's a tough environment, um, you, you know, especially when, you know, you talk to, I mean, we're making some progress. Um, we've raised, we have raised some funds. I mean, our, our ambition is to be, you know, in 25 states by the end of next year you know, 12 by the end of this year, 25 by the end, you know, by the end of next year and all 50 by 2025. So that's what the, uh, that's what the objective is. There are lots of ways to raise money. You know, a traditional way that a lot of people go is the venture capital route, but you know, what these guys want to see is $2 million in annual revenues and, and a hundred percent year over year growth. That's a hundred percent you know, the $2 million is not unreasonable, but the 100% year over year growth in this environment is really tough. I mean, hmm. we managed, we made last year, we beat last year's numbers, but we beat it in the first six months of the year, right? And since yeah. then, we've suffered with the rest of the industry, yeah. um, you know, for the last nine months now. And we're, you know, we're seeing signs that, uh, you know, that's beginning to improve now. And so we've really waded in deep water. Um, there's crowdfunding, there's friends and family funding. We've shied away from that. I think what we've decided to do is do a reverse merger. So I've acquired a shell company to do a reverse merger into. And we think that we're going to take our message directly to the public because for the reasons I said earlier is that consumers understand our business. They look at it and they say, wow, so it's one of the few business you know, investment opportunities they can look at and really understand what the value proposition is and what the mechanics of the business actually are. And we think that with a good PR investor relation campaign, that that just getting the public offering and, and available and allow retail investors, unaccredited retail investors to buy stock, you know, $1,000 here, $5,000 there, $20,000 there. That's really the way to raise the, you know, the, the four or $5 million that we want to raise that we think that we need in order to get to where we want to go. Yeah. Well, again, I think that it's been fascinating just exploring the field of something that not many people wade into the waters of because usually, as I said at the beginning of this episode, is that the one thing that I'm trying to get everybody to be is more open-minded, not to, hey, this might not resonate with you, but also just looking laterally at what other people are doing, one, to understand them so you can speak intelligently to it. But second to that is also is that what in your business do you need to change? You know, like like at the end of the day, um, I think that, David, you've made some really great points along the way and you've got and agents need to understand it. If they're a full service agency, they need to understand what they're up against in this in order to get better and offer more and give more value for money. Because if people don't see value and industry goes away in its entirety, look how quickly the taxi business went away with Uber. That's right. And, you know, like, but we're not going to put the, we're not putting real estate agents. They're still our friends. We still work with them. We just, you know, just because we are willing to, to charge a, lo- a flat fee that's lower in most cases, we're not spreading, you know, passing that on to everybody else. And if I could, you know, the real estate agents that we might bump up and might see in another home listing at some point, they shouldn't shy away from from doing business with us just because we want to take a little less. We didn't take that listing from them. 
It's interesting. Yeah, I, 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 I know. Agent took it from him. I know exactly. I know exactly how you feel because of the reluctance to auction in the first degree when it comes into the market. The funny part about that is, is that an agent's reluctance of representing a buyer when they see auction. Our auction agents that are listing auctions usually are double ending. You know, if it's a brand new marketplace, they're double ending fifty percent of the transactions because the buyer still goes. The buyer still goes. So, so at the end of the day. You know, blazing trails is certainly something that we're familiar with. So yeah. again, David, it's yeah. it's a, it's an interesting experience nonetheless. Yes. Well, but we thank you for it. joining us. My pleasure. Excellent. Thanks so much. So about 75% of our audience hasn't liked, followed, or subscribed to our podcast. It would mean the world to us, and it would help this podcast more than you know to expand our reach if you were to like, follow, or subscribe on any of the platforms that you're watching or listening on. Thanks again.